I don't know if you would jump, but uh, some of you would because you have no fear. Some of you have children who have no fear. And we want to talk today about, talk about today about God's cure for fear because we're all going to experience fear to some degree or another. We fear the economy. We fear what's going to happen in our future. We fear that test result that's coming back. We fear our jobs, if we're going to have it or not. We fear even for our children, if our children are going to do well. We sometimes have fears in our relationships, in our marriages. Is it going to do well? Does he love me? Does she love me? We fear even our kids not liking us. So we live with all of these fears. In our world, in our nation, we live with the fear of terrorism. We live with the fears of wars and the rumors of wars. So there's many fears that we live with. But we want to look at how do we live in a world that's full of fear, and sometimes even in our very own homes, how do we live with that? Does God have a cure for it? Because not everything we fear is bad. And there's a difference with being afraid of something and having a high respect for something and being wise about fearing certain things. The other day, actually a couple months ago, we, had, we got three chickens, and Heidi named them. She named them Kentucky, which is poor thing for that chicken. Kentucky, and then Bonnie and Clyde. So, one of the chickens, I don't know what this chicken was thinking, jumped in the fenced area where we have dogs. So now we have two chickens. So the other day, the other chicken finds its way into the fenced area with the dogs. And I'm thinking, did you not just see Kentucky? Kentucky is no more. You was watching when all of this was taking place. Weren't you busy watching all of this and going like, and then saying in your mind, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do what Kentucky did. I'm going to be smart. But no, this other chicken jumps in. So now we have one chicken left. Yesterday, this other chicken, I don't know how the dog started chasing this chicken. Maybe he snuck through the fence. I don't know what happened. All I hear is Heidi calling for me. Sheldon, help! The chicken is going to get killed! So I run out of the house, and now the chicken is on the other side of the fence with the dog. The dog squeezed through the fence and got through, and so he's chasing the chicken. So I jump over the fence. If this chicken never fly back over the fence into the yard with the other two dogs, I'm thinking, that's just not smart. Oh, why would you do that? Didn't you not see the other two chickens? So now the chicken jumps into the yard. Now I got to jump back over the fence and get this chicken. And my other dogs are going for the chicken. Finally, I get it. And I give it to Heidi. She puts it in the coop. And now I'm all mad. I'm all frustrated because I already took a shower. <laughs> and now I got to go bathe again. So I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm walking back to the house. And Heidi says, impressive. I said, what? She goes, you jumping over the fence, eh? <laughs> yeah, you know, growing up, running from the cops. He worked. And I was no longer mad. I felt good. And I thought, uh, no, I don't know what chickens think. I don't, I don't think they have within them a, 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 a mechanism like how we have for certain fears. I, I don't think so. But I do know this, that God instilled in us an innate capability to understand fear. In fact, the three areas that we fear and that's embedded in us, that we're created with, is for our good. That we have a fear of heights. How many of you fear heights? You just don't like high places. Yeah, some of us fear heights. Some of you don't really fear heights. You just fear falling off and then the low part of ending the 
the fall. So you, you don't really fear heights, you just fear falling. Uh, some of us in the, in, the, uh, in the fear side, we fear being isolated or being alone. And God put that in there. Because the Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. And that means forever, for a long extended period of time. Some of us need to be alone. Some of us like the alone time. But to be isolated for so long, that's not a good thing. That's why we have that fear. Some of us have a fear of being alone. And so even when we come to church, even though we're surrounded by hundreds of people, we still feel alone and we don't like that. God put that there. That's why this relationship with God is so that we're never alone. It's so that we understand God is always there with us. And then we also, God gave us a fear of predators so that we can survive. It's like if you go on a safari trip and, and you see some lions and, and they're just cruising around. You don't have, the, you don't have the, uh, the courage to just walk out of the safari van and just say, oh, I'm going to go hug the lion. I'm going to go pet the lion. I just check out the tiger. You know, scratch them. I, I, you, you don't have that in you because you have a fear of being eaten. You have a fear of the predator. And that's a survival mode. God gave us the flight or fight response mechanism in us. We need that to survive. But so if God has put this fear inside of us and it's a good fear, how do we deal with the negative fear? The, the negative fear of what if this happens? What if something bad happens what if I make this decision and it doesn't turn out good what if my children cannot do this what if when I send my child off to college something bad happens and we have all these what ifs and it's okay to be concerned but once fear comes in and it's not just the fear of being wise about something or not not jumping off a cliff because you fear heights or fear from falling it's the kind of fear that paralyzes you from becoming the very best that God created you to be it's that kind of fear. And that's what we want to look at. How does God bring cure for this kind of fear that we're going to face in everyday life? See, we, as we grow up and as we're young children, there are certain fears that God has in us, but there are certain fears that are what we call uh, fear conditioning, that we learn certain fears. We learn what not to do. And it's a, it's a condition that is built in us and and that we learn what not to do. The problem with fear conditioning is we can get paralyzed in that too. Let's just say you experience something traumatic. What our brains do is keep record of what took place in that environment. If there was a certain smell or fragrance or a certain song that was being played or a certain color on the wall or a certain person that was there, then now we're conditioned to fear those certain cues that will come into our minds because our brain keeps record. And as the Bible says, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. What that means is there are certain neurons that are in our minds that will keep record of that. So we have to let those things die in order to have a brand new courage to face the things we used to fear. The only way we can do that is actually face the fear. If you have a fear of heights, what they do is they'll take you up on a high place and they'll, they'll do it in stages, but you have to face that fear. Not that you're going to jump off, but you have to stay there until the fear goes away and you can calm down and the natural fear progression or the lack thereof starts to diminish. And so they'll do that and what they're doing is reconditioning your mind 
It's letting the old neurons die so the new ones can be built, so no longer you, do you have a fear of heights. It's just like relationships. If you got hurt in the past from a certain relationship going bad, and you go into another one, you fear rejection because this person rejected you. You fear that this person is not that, that this person is going to cheat on you because this person did. So you bring in, just by default, fear because of something that happened in the past, because our brain keeps record of that. So God wants us to do the positive on the what ifs. What if what if God does do a great thing in our marriage? What if God does do a great thing with our finances? What if God does a great thing in our family? What if what if being a part of who God is, what if, what if being in this relationship with God catapults me to another level of living in my life? What if He's doing this to strengthen my marriage? What if I'm going through this to strengthen my relationship with Him? So now the what ifs are turned into something positive rather than something negative because there is a thing called fear conditioning. The other day, uh, we were on Oahu and we were with some friends and... Uh, Heidi was in the back seat, my friend was in the passenger, and then my other friend was in the back. And we're on Oahu. Now, I grew up on Oahu, so driving the freeways is, you drive the freeways. Some of you are from Oahu, so traffic here is different from the traffic there. Road rage here is different from the road rage there. So we're driving, and I don't know, to me, I drive perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's okay they get whiplash, they got to wear a neck brace after they drive with me, but to me because I can see what's coming up. And so, as I'm driving, the person behind me says, did you not see that person? I said, no, I saw them. I saw them coming in. I maneuvered around. And I'm fine. And almost uh, in every situation that it could have been bad, this person was panicking. And I said, well, just calm down. It's all good. We're not going to get into an accident. I, I, this is how we drive here on Oahu. You have to either, either drive 90 or don't drive. It's, it's either or. I did run a red light by accident. I thought you could turn left, but uh, apparently you can't turn left on a red. So I wasn't paying attention to that, and I think that instilled more fear. So they said, did you know that you just went through a red light? I'm like, what? They said, yeah, you just went right through. I said, oh, I wasn't paying attention. So I think that instilled more fear. This is what I've learned. So I asked this person behind me, you know, why, so what's up with the, you know, with the fear and all that? And this person said, well, I've seen my share of traffic accidents. I've walked on some scenes that the people were not good. They're not in good condition. So I saw tons of fatalities. And so I, now I understand why this person is fearful because there's something conditioned in that person to say, wait a minute, this is how accidents occur. This is what takes place. There are certain fears that we're going to have that we're conditioned with because of something traumatic in the past. So your fear today is actually valid according to what could happen. And that may very well be the problem that paralyzes us from progressing forward because it actually could happen. But did you know that 90% of our fears don't even happen? 90% of what we're fearful about doesn't even come to pass. 
which I know what you're thinking because this is what I'm thinking. I'm afraid of the 10% that could happen. I might fall into the 10% category. But this is what I found out too. Even the 10% that may happen does not happen exactly how we fear it would. And not even as catastrophic. That is the word. We have these fears because of something in the past and so now God wants to recondition us. It's okay to have certain fears, but it shouldn't paralyze you. It should help progress us forward, even though God created us to have certain fears. See, I think having these, these fear reactions that God created in us helps us to do certain things. For instance, let's just say you go to a, a scary movie. It helps you fulfill your gender role. If there's a scary part in the film and the girl is scared, it makes you feel macho. It makes you feel like, nah, I'm here for you. No worry, no worry, I got you. And it gives us an excuse to hug and, you know, cuddle. And then it gives the woman the excuse to be the damsel in distress, to say, ah, no, and feel protected. Now, in your relationship, it might be the opposite way. That's for you to decide. <laughs> but we have that. And so we feel like, okay, this is, I, I, need, to, I need to fulfill my gender role. Some of us, we like fear. Like you love roller coaster rides. You love being on the roller coaster. The, the higher, the faster, the more loops there are, the more dangerous it is, the more you like it. It's because you like what we call the adrenaline rush. You like the adrenaline rush. You like doing extreme things because you feel that adrenaline rush. And you like that. The problem with us liking the adrenaline rush, and not just in the case of roller coaster rides, but just in general in life, like you just like the rush of being busy. You like the adrenaline rush of, of feeling needed. You just like that. The problem with that is if you continue to live that lifestyle just with the fear in you and, and wanting to feel that thrill, then you live an unhealthy life because only adrenaline is dumped into your system. And so you become addicted to adrenaline. That's why you always have to be busy. That's why you always have to do something on the edge. You always have to do something to that nature because you're, you're addicted to adrenaline. You like that feeling and that thrill. So you may not be afraid of something. You may not be re remember what caused the fear, but you remember the thrill of whatever it was. So God wants to help us because if we continue to stay in that, that fear, then it actually paralyzes us from doing everything we're supposed to do. And we live an awkward lifestyle. The good side to feeling this adrenaline rush or that, that, that fear or that thrill is you actually burn calories. There's a physiological element to this thing called fear. In fact, there are three top movies that helps us to burn calories so you might be thinking oh that's a good weight loss program just watch horror movies that might not be healthy but here's the top three calorie burning movies the top the number three and the number three with 158 calories after you watch this movie after you watch this movie is the movie the exorcist <laughs> some of you are saying nah i read our jog i'm not gonna watch that movie in number two the, at 161 calories burnt is the movie Jaws. For Bunny Correa, 6,000 calories are burned during that movie. She <laughs> is deathly afraid of sharks. But the number one movie with 184 calories burnt, The Shining. And some of you scared already. He's like, ah, The Shining. I didn't see that movie, so I didn't burn off those calories. 
here's, here's what God wants to help us with because there, there needs to be a cure for the fear, the fear that, that is negative. How, how, how do we deal with that? Because the fear we want to zero in on is the one that paralyzes us to become who God has made us to be. And all of us can overcome being paralyzed by fear by remembering three simple truths concerning fear. And the first thing is this, that fear comes from ignoring God. That's where it comes from. And if you're taking notes, you can write that in. They're in your bulletin. Fear comes from ignoring God. Have you ever had someone, let's say a son or daughter or even a a loved one, a family member, a friend, that they would come to you for advice? And then you would give them great advice, but they wouldn't listen. And then later on, they reap the consequences, and you're thinking, I told you this was going to happen. But they ignored your advice. It's almost like you want to say, I told you. Now, some of you will express that. Some of you, you just don't. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs 1, 25 through 27, that you ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. Now it can almost seem like God is mean. Now what do you mean you're going to mock me? You're going to laugh at me? Are you teasing me? Do you not care that I fear this? I, I feared the worst, and then the worst happened, and now you're laughing at me? No, He's not laughing at you because something happened to you it could very well be because you ignored what he said that he gave you warning he said here's my word this is my these are my principles you didn't obey it and that's the consequences you made your choice you're reaping the consequences and the laugh that God is laughing is not the kind of laugh we laugh at one another with like a good for you kind of laugh the laugh he's laughing with is the kind of laugh that says (laughs) I told you I tried to tell you. So it's not a laughing at you. It's more like, I don't know why you don't understand when my word is given that you go against my principles that you think you're going to be better off on your own. And he's saying, you're just not. Proverbs 129 through 31, it says, For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. See, because we choose not to accept God's counsel or His advice or His word, then we eat the bitter fruit of living our own way and we end up choking on our own plans. You know how it is when we say, I know what God's word says. I know He's saying not to do this, but I'm going to try this because He's going to forgive me. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with everything of disobeying God and ignoring Him. And he's saying, I know what's best for you. In other words, we don't choke by accident. We choke on purpose. We choose to choke by disobeying God, by our own schemes and our own plans. And if you're choking, you really can't truly live if you can't fully breathe. And it's the same in our life. If we're choking on our own plans, if we're not following God's ways because we don't, because we ignore Him, then we're not going to live a life that's free in Him. We're going to live a life that's being snuffed out. And you're going to feel the pressure. See, fear suffocates the life out of you. The fear of the Lord adds oxygen to your soul. It does something. Therefore, number two, you can write this in, start with fearing the Lord. Start with fearing Him. Fear fear the Lord. And it's not a, 
you know, the fear I used to think about was, you know, you fear God because God can take you out. You fear God because if you disobey Him, lightning's going to strike you. You know, I grew up watching all these different, uh, or seeing these different comics that if you didn't obey God, then He would strike you, and then you end up in a place that there's a lot of fire, and then there's a little man with some horns and a pitchfork. And I thought, okay, so if I don't do things right, then God's going to strike me down. So I thought that's what the fear of God meant, that I have to be afraid of God. But really, the devil wants to take us off edge. He wants to take us off the path that God has for us. If he can distract us from God's very best, then he's got us. That's what illusionists do very well. You know, they have the songs that come on, and then they have all these dancers. While you're busy watching everything else, the light, the smoke, and everything, they're done with their trick. Because you're so distracted by something else, there's just a sleight of hand, and then he's done. Or she's done with the trick. And then when you see the illusion come to pass, you're like, how did they do that? All they did was distract you from what was actually taking place. Now the devil works in the same way. If he can distract you from God's very best, because we don't fear the Lord, and He's got us. Therefore, we no longer take risks for God. We're paralyzed in our own fear. And Proverbs 1.7 says that the reverent and worshipful fear of the, Lord, of the Lord is the beginning and the principal and choice part of knowledge, its starting point and its essence. But fools despise skillful and godly wisdom, instruction, and discipline. So, what does fearing the Lord look like? What does that look like? Because we fear our parents when we would do something wrong because we would get spanking or we would get grounded or dirty licking. And so we would fear our parents. But what does fearing God look like? Because He doesn't necessarily bring a, a, a big belt from heaven and spank us, but He will discipline us because He loves us. But this is what the Bible says. This is what fearing God looks like in Proverbs 8.13. The reverent fear and worshipful awe of the Lord includes the hatred of evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and perverted and twisted speech I hate. So the question is this then, in the fear of the Lord, do you hate evil? Or do you love evil? Do you love evil to the point where it feels good when someone does something to you that is wrong and it hurts you, but then you get them back and you feel justified. You feel better because they did something to you, now you did something back, and I feel better. God says, I don't like that. It's not fearing me. It's almost like if you're, if you're on the highway and, and you're going speed limit and someone just cuts you off or they're just flying past you or they're you know, weaving in and out of track and, and then they just, they're just flying it. They're going like 90. And then later on down the road, they get pulled over by a cop a police officer, you feel so good. You almost feel like you want to slow down and say, good for you. See, and you're like, overtake me. It almost makes you feel good. God says, no, no, that's not what I want you to feel. You should feel that, okay, good, that you're protecting us from this person who's driving reckless. You're protecting us from this person who's speeding. You're protecting that person from getting to an accident rather than good for you. See, that God is saying, that's not the kind of heart I like. Do you love evil? Do you love when bad things happen to people you don't like? like somebody that you don't like or someone who, who says something negative to you or puts you down and then something bad happens to them, you feel good. God says, that's not a good thing. That's not fearing me. You should have compassion for that person. 
even though they're mean to you or they treat you in a bad way. Sometimes we feel good because something bad happened to them and we say, see, they like act like that, so now that happened to them. But God says, no, no, you, gotta, you cannot love evil. You got to hate evil. Well, how's your level of pride? Yeah, that's what he says. He says to fear the Lord and worship all of the Lord. It's the hatred of pride. How's your level of pride? Do you, do you feel like you can never be wrong? That you're always right? That no matter what anybody says or whatever they do, your way is the right way. Now, please don't look at the person next to you right now. That you, you may feel like, oh, the person who feels they're always right is next to me. So please, keep talking about that. Please, keep talking about that. And then even when you're wrong, you're still right. Even when you're proven wrong, you say, yeah, yeah, but you know, I just saying. I'm just saying. Or when you're proven wrong, you get mad at everybody. Define them. Nobody like listen to me. No, I'm letting you know that you are wrong. The car blew up. Okay, no one was safe. Yeah, 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 but you know, if you listen to me, it wouldn't have been that bad of a fire. You know, it's how do you respond when you feel like you're wrong? Somebody treated you bad. What, what, what is your pride like? Do you get defensive quickly? What about arrogance? You know, that arrogant spirit that your confidence is not in the Lord, it's in you. That I do this. This is me. I can do this. I, I, I'm the one who built this company. I'm the one who made this family what it is. I'm the one who takes care of everybody. I'm the one that does this. Rather than, Lord, you're so good that you're taking care of our family. You've given us skills and talents. You've given me a household. You've, you've provided for me. You're doing such a, a great thing in my life where you're not arrogant about the things that, that you possess or the things that surround you, but you understand that it all comes from God and His goodness. Or what about the evil way that you know what you're doing is not right in the eyes of God, but you still continue to do what you feel is best for you. But it's the evil way. And you justify it by even Scripture. But you know it's the evil way. You know it's not the right way to go. And so you're looking for the future to fix things because then this way I can make things better. But it's the evil way. Yeah, but God's going to forgive me. Oh, absolutely. It has nothing to do with forgiveness. It has everything to do with fearing the Lord. Do I fear God? But I just follow the evil way. But what about when it comes to being perverted, telling dirty jokes? Do you tell things that are unclean, impure? And you say things to people that are impure. And you say jokes about people that are impure. It, the, all of these things are an indication that I do not fear the Lord. It's an indication that, that your relationship with God, of course, is being worked on, but it's an indication that I really don't understand what it means to fear the Lord. And the way you speak, it's twisted. It's not truthful. That you, 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 you change it for just a little bit so that it's not necessarily a lie, but it's not necessarily the entire truth. And so we think quickly, how can I, how can I, how can I maneuver my way around this or past this? How can I just, just enough to where it's not a lie, but it's, but it's not the entire truth. Proverbs 19.23, it says that the fear of the Lord leads to life. That's where you're heading when you fear the Lord. It leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. 
See, that's, a, that's another way you know when you're, when you're fearing the Lord, that you will be satisfied and evil will be far from you. If you're always dealing with evil, if you're always dealing with negativity, you're always dealing with, with uh, uh, bad things coming your way, if you're always dealing with fighting and grumbling and arguing in the household, like from one thing to another, and you're constantly finding that there's, there's always something that goes wrong. And you would even agree to say, you know what? We're being visited by evil. And I would go back to, do you fear the Lord? How am I living? How am I, how am I living in my own household that I'm not fearing the Lord in? What do I let in my household? What do I let in my heart? Am I being visited by evil? Because then it helps us to understand where we are on this scale of fearing the Lord. Yeah, I may worship Him. I may praise Him. I may even, even serve Him. I might even say a few amens in church. But I don't fear God. I know what to say. I know what to do. I know what to sing. I know how to posture myself. I know, I know, even, I know, I know how to read the Word of God. I know how to quote Scripture. I can open up the Bible and find the books. I can do that but I don't fear God because I still do my own thing. I don't love people how God loves people. I, I follow the evil way. Here's the good news. And here's where we want to get to. Number three, God exchanges my fears for His confidence. I would love for all of us to, to understand the confidence of the Lord because it's not an arrogant spirit. It's a confident spirit in the Lord. You know that it's not you. You know it's the Lord working in and through you. In other words, we're not that great unless God does something great in us. Even the greatest things that can happen on this earth will pale into comparison, in comparison with the greatness that God can do through you doesn't mean things that happen in the world aren't great things all it means is there's something great that can happen in us when we allow God to do something great in us because he does great things see there are many things that God makes exchanges for he exchanges our old sinful life for a righteous living he exchanges my old behavioral patterns to a brand new way of living he exchanges my old way of thinking to a brand new way of thinking. He, he exchanges my eternal condemnation in hell for an eternal glory with Him in heaven. And if He does all of that, He can also exchange our fears into our confidence in Him. Proverbs 14.26 tells us, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and His children will have a place of refuge. See, whatever fears you face, whatever is going to come into your life, you find refuge in God. That's where it's going to come from. It's not going to come from whatever it is going away. It's not whatever is causing your fear to go away that will give you strong confidence. As we say, it's not, it's not the absence of fear that defines courage. It's facing your fear in spite of your fears but you're no longer facing your fear by yourself you're now facing your fear with the Lord and now with the Lord you're, you are reconditioning your fear and whatever you fear God's going to be with you when you find yourself being fearful 
turn towards your fear and face it, but you face it with the Lord. You're not facing it by yourself. That if your marriage is falling apart, you don't just say, oh, I fear that it's going to get worse and so I'm just going to bail and so if it gets worse. No, you face that fear and you say, Lord, I believe in what you're doing in my life. I believe our marriage can be saved. You may have a fear of your children hating you because you have to make some strong disciplinary um, guidelines in their life. You're not facing that fear alone. You're facing it with the Lord. It's a strong confidence in Him, not in ourselves. Whatever you may face, even with your finances, that you fear the worst, but now you're no longer fearing that because you have God with you. That's where your refuge is. And you're standing side by side with Him. And He's going to find a way. And I thought, what if, what if the greats in the Bible, all of these men and women who, who have gone before us, what if they said, no, too fearful? No way I'm going to do that. Are you crazy? What if Moses said to God, no way I'm going to do that, and then do what? And now look, we're trapped by the Red Sea. What did I tell you? But Moses said to God, no, I, I have some flaws, and God provided people to help him. He accomplished everything God asked him to. Did he have fears? Yes, he did. But at least he helped. He, at least he was helped by God even with his fears. And so God says to us, I'm going to help you along the way. See, what if Jesus, before he went to the cross, said, no way. No way I'm going to do that. You're telling me they're going to nail me to the cross? No way. That means I'm going to suffer? That is the worst execution possible. There's no way I'm going to do that, God. No way. What if Jesus was that fearful and he said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to die on the cross. I, it, it looked good up until this point. The miracles were great. Walking on water was outstanding. But to die on the cross, with oh, no way. To people who are sinful, people who are mocking me, people who are spitting in my face, people who are beating me, to die for them, no way, too fearful. No, I'm not going to do that. Imagine if Jesus did that, but he did not. He faced fear dead on because he knew the Father was with him. He took the nails through his hands and his feet, the thorns on his head, because perfect love, perfect love, cast out all fear. There's no perfect love than the love that we find in Jesus Christ being nailed to the cross, dying for our sins, being resurrected from the grave so that you and I could face our fears no longer alone, but with Him. I look at it this way. Fear robs us from receiving what God has already rewarded us with. As Hebrews 10.35 tells us, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Now listen very carefully. Where we are the most fearful is exactly where God's hand might be on your very life. You're not in this alone. You have God by your side. Don't ignore God. Fear Him. But walk in His confidence, not your own. Amen? close your Bibles and put away your notes.
you know, some of you might know a friend or a family member and you're saying, boy, I, they, they could have learned something today and, and you can send them to our website uh, because we have our podcast and vidcast. But we also, uh, next week we're going to be concluding this series uh, talking about God's cure for busyness. So get ready for that one. And then we're going to start a brand new series in September, The Power of God's Compassion. And you might know a family member or a friend. They may not know God. And, and maybe they're saying, I don't want to go to church because the building might burn. We have a lot of fire codes, so they'll be fine. We have sprinkler system. You'll be, you'll be fine. But they might think that, well, why would God love someone like me? That's what that whole entire series is about, God's compassion. That His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And so you might, you might know someone that, that may be searching for something but they're always finding emptiness. Now, sometimes I would, before I would walk into church and if there's a seat that's empty next to me, I'm thinking, great, good thing it's empty, I have more room. I can put my stuff down, it's empty, yes. But now my heart breaks when I see an empty seat because my heart is now, Lord, there's someone that's supposed to be there. We paid for that seat so that we could bring our family and friends. And if you have an empty seat next to you, God's heart grieves too. I never judge the size of a church by how many people are in it. I judge the size of a church by how many people are not. There's so many people who have yet to come to know Jesus Christ. We don't want to be a big church. We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a church that reaches out to people to help people find Jesus Christ one relationship at a time. You may fear what other people will say. But don't fear because God is with you. And if they don't attend this church, that's fine. They can go to another church if they're comfortable there. But just encourage them to find God. We're all going to have our fears. Don't fear introducing someone to Jesus Christ. At our conference that we were at this past week, there's a pastor that spoke. His name is Rick Bazette. And he just gave us a, a wonderful illustration. And I, I want to tell it to you because I, I so loved what, what, what he was bringing towards us and and. and illustration that he gave he said he was in this wedding and he was the best man but his son was the ring bearer and his son's responsibility was to carry the bible and to bring it to the front but the son i don't know how old he was i think five or six he was young and, and he says but daddy what if i fall he says no you're not gonna fall you just just as you walk and you'll be fine he says, but, but 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 daddy what if what if what if i drop the bible he says no no, no you'll be fine just hang on tight me to it he says, yeah, but what if I do something wrong? What if I fail? And the dad said, son, when you walk through those doors, I want you to do two things. I want you to keep your eyes on your father. And I want you to hold tightly to the word of God. Just hang on tightly to the word of God. Never let it go. And then you just walk towards your father. And don't worry about everything else. I'll coach you along the way. And so the, when the wedding started, the doors opened. There was his son looking at his dad. And he started walking. He got closer and closer. And his dad said, okay, come, keep coming. And his son walked all the way to his father, stood next to his dad, smiled at him, gave him the Bible, gave him the look of, we did it, dad. We did it. And I believe every single one of us are going to walk that road fearful in this life. We're going to walk that road fearful. 
We're going to be afraid of many things. I mean, in the world we live in, and there's reason to be fearful in the sense of there's things out there, but can I, can I tell you to keep your eyes focused on the Father and hang on tightly to His Word? It's precious. It's precious. It helps us with every single thing we deal with. It's not just a book. It's living and active. It's God's very own breath of life. You no longer have to fear. As Jesus said it very well, fear not, for I am with you. Amen.